0: Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hertz Podcast for December twenty-third of twenty eighteen. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins Writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh from HockeyHats.com. Merry Christmas. Uh, we are sneaking this podcast in on Christmas Eve Eve. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> there isn't much to talk about via roster moves because we are on the officially in the NHL's trade freeze. Uh, but we do have some on-ice action to, to be discussed, and most of it's going to be Penguins-related this week. Uh, we're going to start with somebody uh, who has had a rough go of it this year, but really doing a great job lately, uh, and that is Brian Rust, who has, what, six goals Something
1: he has a he has a plethora of goals in very little games and very little shots. That shooting percentage thing is starting to regress back to his average, which is which is what you would expect and I hope
0: for as a Penguins fan. Basically, um, it's actually regressed all the way above his career average. <laughs> that's how right, so that streak. He's on got to level out at some point. Then <laughs> he's a, he's a ten point four percent shooter, which really isn't bad. That's that's pretty good for. Um, kind of a depth winger. He, at least before the Carolina game, he was at 13.4%, so 3% higher than his career average based on the, the terror that he, he's he gone on. Um, even though he didn't score against Carolina, he had two assists. So, let's see. So, my, 10, my, nine,
1: my question here, is this production we're getting out of Rust at the moment is occurring whilst he's in the top six? So does it count as depth scoring or is it still a team that can't score in the bottom six? And I bring this up because the bottom six still aren't getting any points. They're getting nothing out of the guys lower down the lineup.
0: Yeah. I think that piggybacks off of what we talked about last week with Derek Broussard and his, his, it just hasn't worked. I, I waited a long time for the switch to flick on and numbers, watching them. There's nothing that screams a, a player that you know is contributing at all.
1: No, it honestly looks like he's just skating around out there, and he's he's just out there. I mean, it it just looks so bizarre. In regards to the logic behind the trade, we, I mean, we've brought it up before on the podcast. Thoroughly love the logic of. Of the trade what they paid to get him i was okay with we've always talked about you know being in the window you you have to give up assets and stuff like that to to really push for it so to me it set up the whole you know three center jordan stall set up that this team can destroy other teams with and he's just not i don't get it i don't understand why it, it hasn't worked reality is it hasn't what do they do from here? Because you're not going to win a Stanley Cup with the way this roster is set up right now.
0: No, I don't think so.
1: I mean, one of the goalies could play out of his skin and and cover for a lot of the holes, but there's a lot of holes to cover.
0: A lot of good teams to get through too. Yeah. (laughs) But, Russ, eight goals, last seven games, that is much needed uh, he's a player that hadn't contributed, so regardless of, you know, top six, bottom six for him, getting goals out of him has been a been a big thing lately, and it's propelled the Penguins to a pretty successful stretch of games here. They needed it,
1: like you know. I might be a little critical that it's happening whilst he's in the top six, but no one else has been scoring, so you take the goals from whoever you can get them from.
0: Malkin hasn't been scoring, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, and don't we know about it.
0: Yeah. Um, But Brian Rust is one of those players I've always uh, really liked his zone entries, his speed through the neutral zone, as I've spoken about before. Uh, Can play the penalty kill, uh, very good speed to be a 10% career shooter and, and be wallowing at 2%, it was um, puzzling. And it's uh, why what makes this sport so weird.
1: It, it's one of those things where I think there are times where you just end up in a season-long rut at times, and I thought Rust was going to end up in that, where he just was not going to get any – he was missing – Open nets and stuff, and you could see the look on his face in his interviews. He's like, "What have I done wrong in life to have it been had this, you know, two percent shooting percentage inflicted on me this particular season?" I didn't know if he was going to get that bounce back to bring his shooting percentage back up, but thankfully for the Penguins, it's occurred because um, they they need scoring from people other than their superstars. And um, you know, you've always said once he got into the lineup, he was always one of those tweeters. You can throw him up into the top six and he doesn't destroy possession and he can put things in the net and it took until he got up to play with the big guns that he started to produce. And, I mean, it pushes Dominic Simone down the lineup and, you know, maybe he'll produce from down the lineup and then you get that that depth scoring. But uh, Rust's um, regression back to his norm was definitely needed.
0: The other thing about Rust being competent on a Crosby line is that it does open up the potential to, to get Kessel, Malkin, and Crosby split again, which, yeah, which can obviously work. Um, Broussard, they're really going to try a last run at this. what is Simone on that line? Yeah. Or was it Pearson?
1: Well, I think it was Pearson because it was Simone, Malkin, and Hornquist, but uh, it felt like I think it could have just been line changes. I thought I saw Brassard, Hornquist and Pearson out there together and they had Simone and Kessel there at some stage. So I, I think it's it's one of those line combination uh, randomizers at the moment. They're just throwing stuff out there, not touching Sid's line and just seeing what sticks. And you can't blame them. I mean, quite clearly there's some... Um, Issue scoring down the lineup, so you just keep throwing out what you can until you get some depth.
0: Yeah, but without Russ producing, uh, I don't think you not play around correct. with the flexibility. So Absolutely. that's something to watch moving forward, but something's going to give either the third line starts looking competent or I think he's out the door. Because we're in that December, January, Jim Rutherford, not fucking around time period where he's he's going to make oh, a trade. I've, yeah,
1: you, Yep, we're right in that sweet spot, just around January, you're right. You know, second week of January, he usually strikes early. So the question is, though, what can they trade him away for on top of what assets to get something back that can fill that spot? Like, what are they going to look for? Are they going to look for... Uh, a shutdown style center or are they going to look for a center who can distribute the puck to Kessel which I think would be crazy I would try to find a center that's a shooter even if their shooting percentage is low because Kessel is a way better passer than anyone gives him credit for and he seems to be past first shoot second now on this roster so I reckon you try and find somebody to to shoot the puck, and I still stand by the fact that LA want to get rid of salary. Go for Jeff Carter and just throw assets at him. Well, Give him drafts. <laughs> yeah.
0: I think um, Charlie Coyle would be another one to look for. Yeah. The money is similar to Broussard. Um, maybe the, the Wild want to change his scenery like they've seen enough of him and just would rather take their chances on an expiring Broussard rather than another year of coil. Personally, I don't think I would make that trade as Minnesota. But this is
1: the thing. We know what we've seen from Broussard. Every time we bring up a trade option, we both sort of sit there and go, well, why would the other team do it?
0: Because That's the problem. A lot of times with some of these things, you look at it and, oh, well, Pittsburgh, maybe it's just not a good fit. I don't know how that could be. I mean, he
1: gets it's the thing. He gets favorable lineups, like matchups. He he gets to play with an elite winger. I just yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like it could be. I don't know. I hope I'm wrong. I'm hoping a GM does exactly what you're saying.
0: At some point, like it, it's to me, it, I, I'm guessing still an injury thing because it's such a departure from his entire career. Really, you know? Yeah, makes no sense. Absolutely no sense whatsoever. So, Coyle, Carter, I mean, if you're going to move Broussard, you cannot, cannot, cannot replace him (laughs) in-house.
1: Oh, no, Riley Shane is not your option. No way.
0: So that cannot happen.
1: Can't go Shane and Cullen down the middle or bring up Titty Bluger as your fourth line. That's not going to work.
0: So, if Broussard's going to go out, they got to replace it. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what, what they do. I still think Olimada is an option to move.
1: So, this is where I'd be okay with the return of the timing of the return of Justin Schultz, is, for me, is big on what they do with who they move out on the back end. Because you're right, Marta's the, the best option for them to trade to get something of value back because he still has cachet around the league, even though...
0: Apparently, apparently still has cachet in the analytics community.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to work that one out.
0: I, um, I can't get down with... He's the second best player on the Penguins. Was, is that what I saw with that? Uh, I suppose... You saw the did you
1: see the Wyszynski piece on Maguire?
0: No, I can only imagine because I know <laughs> yeah. Greg doesn't really care for him. So maybe I do need to read that.
1: You you do need to, to read the wish list for, for this week. But it was more a matter of
0: oh, yeah, his it, stupid comments.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's made it a he's made it a black and white argument. It's a you you have to either be analytics or you have to be by touch and feel for what you see. And Nobody's everybody who that. believes he's doing that, yeah, well, yeah, but everybody believes in analytics properly. Is that you combine the two? It's not an either-or option. It's not binary. I can't you believe that the guy two.
0: gets to decide who gets in the Hall of Fame. He is such a fucking piece of shit.
1: <laughs> this is not where I thought the conversation would no, go. No, but fuck him. Exactly I really don't right. like
0: him. He's an idiot. His he stupid just, fucking. He's... NHL Jeopardy knowledge of hometowns and fucking shithole junior teams. Nobody fucking cares, Pierre. Yeah, but it makes him feel smart.
1: makes him sound smart. That's what the NBC people think that the, that they need for their coverage. And, you know... Their
0: coverage sucks, so...
1: We know that. Um,
0: I, I'll yeah, say but, this. I, I did... Um, the other coach, one of the other coaches I coach with, I, I did send him the link to the 1994 Pierre Maguire firing article. <laughs> I always, uh, that brings a smile to my face when I can uh, <laughs> spread that article to people that haven't read it. Um, I mean, that's a Hall of Fame. I don't think there's a better hockey piece of hockey journalism out there that's ever been written than the takedown <laughs> of Pierre when he got fired and the stories about him thinking he was so smart. I think the best part about that is when Jager got called for the illegal stick penalty because Pierre thought he was so smart and then Jager stepped out of the penalty box and scored on a breakaway and pointed at him.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's just that's, exactly <laughs> that's perfect what you theater.
0: Need. I mean <laughs> oh, he's such a fucking douchebag. Anyways,
1: Back to the the whole reason I brought it up was the the Marta thing. It's it's one of those things where you watch him on the ice and he looks he looks you know quite a few steps too slow, gets pushed off the puck a bit too easily for my liking, and looks like he's panicking at times. He's rushing because he's hasn't got the time and space that he's used to because his skating's not fast enough to keep up with the the speedier forechecks oh, that are out man. there now.
0: I thought this was the year. <laughs> skating improved
1: but you you see that and then you look at the numbers and it's like okay these two things don't match up you've got to look a little deeper and work out what's going on here how is it that his numbers are saying Please the big second best defender
0: no I but think when you the best
1: well we all know who he is and so that's when you've got to take the numbers with a grain of salt and try and look a little bit deeper and see what's going on here how does that work
0: I don't know. I'm not a huge wins above replacement in hockey person yet.
1: No, there's a lot of work to go into that number. And, I like and the
0: concept is... of trying to figure it out. I don't oh, think yeah. the models are there yet.
1: And I don't think the guys that produce the numbers, the models have ever said this. They've all said work in progress, you know, don't treat this like the God particle, like you can in like baseball and stuff like that. Don't, don't do that. And,
0: yeah, but it, like it, you see, Ali Mata had a Chris Latang, You see Hornquist above Crosby and Malkin all the time. It's just yeah. strange.
1: That people cherry pick it. People only bring that only bring that stat out when it suits whatever argument they're wanting to make. And I think that's what drives me nuts.
0: And I know that that argument Likes. was made about just basic stuff like Corsi. Oh, he has a better course. How could he have? I do understand that part of it, but. I mean, at, at some point, you, there is a basic level understanding of what's happening on the ice uh, from just watching and using basic numbers. And
1: yeah, I don't know again, how you get not... to
0: Ali Mata as second to Sidney Crosby in a wins above replacement thing. I mean, I, I don't know.
1: And once again, it's a it's a blending of the two tools. You know, your eyes. Don't lie it when makes me see... ask where's
0: the value coming from so i dig a little deeper on my own yeah i've yet to find it but i know those quite... war i know those wins above replacement things do not include or at least i'm fairly certain they do not include ryan stimpson's passing data so expected goals and and different stuff like that i i still don't know where it's coming from
1: and in in my head, Hornquist rates so well because he has so many
0: high danger wax, high at danger the
1: wax at the park, and so obviously but that, we
0: can explain that one away.
1: Correct. We've the always model had one... that
0: hypothesis of well, yes, yeah. he does get high danger chances, but it's usually the hard work of getting it down there and getting it to the net as other people. Then he gets three whacks at it; it counts as three high danger chances. It it's almost rigging the system. I mean. Don't get me wrong. I, he is not intentionally trying to game his. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's playing because that's how he plays, and I've always I would never say otherwise. At but, the moment,
1: that's the issue with the war model. And until you can try and factor in some of those,
0: but that's a logical things. connection there. Of okay, yeah. I get it. He's got three or four rebound chances at a time. But the Mata thing, I have not, I have looked, and I don't see. Anything that would – it's, it's weird.
1: Oh, it, it feels like when you watch his games, he gets caved possessionally. But then you get the war model that comes out and you go, hang on. What's going on here? Because similarly, Alexiak looks worse when he plays with Marta. You know what I mean? Like That's, that's how it feels. So he just – I don't know. <laughs> It's one of those statistical conundrums that, that makes people who don't want to believe in this stuff go, see, this model's broken. It's like, it's not perfect. We know
0: that. So maybe it's one of those things. Maybe another team sees it and they are like, yeah. He is better than Letang. Let's trade for him. Let's give him Carter and Muzzin.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's uh, look. My my Carter thing's a pipe dream. I know that. Come and on. And we'll dude. take
0: Jack Johnson. And we'll throw in truck.
1: Well, if anybody's going to take Jack Johnson, it's going to be LA. They had him once before. Remember? Yeah,
0: but they got sick of his bullshit. So yeah,
1: and they traded him for Carter. <laughs> yeah,
0: that is true. <laughs> Funny
1: how that works. <laughs> let's let's bring it full circle. Let's uh let's do the trade the other way.
0: Um. But, yeah, that's really funny.
1: brissard has got me flummoxed. I don't know how they fill that hole. Like, he was supposed to be the solution to that. Quite clearly, he's not. I don't know how they replace him. And I hope that, like you said, somebody goes, Marta's better than what you and I think he contributes. Um, or somebody goes, yeah, well, we think Brissard will fit into our system well. And Pittsburgh can get back. I think they need a shoot first center, to be honest, if they're going to go and whack it in that third line and separate Kessel from Malcolm.
0: Yeah. So, speaking of Malkin, should we do a little bit of that?
1: Yeah, what's the, what's the GA mofo? I like your little Twitter theory you threw out.
0: Well, I, it's not really a theory. It was just a basic natural observation, trick research <laughs> that took all of 15 seconds. I looked at Evgeny Malkin's most common line mates this year. Because I think Jason Mackey put out, uh, like, Malkin is minus. We know how we feel about plus minus on the podcast. Yes,
1: but you're not the one that brought it up. Continue.
0: um, Malkin's minus this, Crosby's plus this. They have the, he had the points of both players. And, you know, Sid's obviously playing great hockey right now. I don't, that's, that's not the, the point here. Uh, the point was that I looked at the time on ice of defense partners or defensemen, and Sid, Sid's most common guys, Chris Letang, by quite a bit, and Evgeny Kuznetsov, Jack Johnson, by quite a bit. Not so, rightfully so. Like sometimes the obvious is the obvious.
1: And this is this is where the Justin Schultz injury hurts, I think, the most at five on five for Gino.
0: Yeah, because Gino would get some play from Schultz. Yeah,
1: well, Schultz can sure. get the puck out of the zone with control. Where's this first pass that Jack Johnson was supposed to bring?
0: It's not there.
1: No, and it's painfully obvious. And and I, I think it's it's probably the thing that annoys you the most about the whole Dupree bullshit stuff that came out, and you know, got the coach a little bit shitty and stuff. I I think the coaching staff know that that is a problem. I think they're aware of it. Yeah, they just don't think they. I, I. They just don't think they can play another pairing with Malkin at the moment. It's almost like they're well, Gino can at least come out even, but obviously he's bleeding goals against as well, because he has to come so deep into the zone to get out. Now you see it; he's collecting the puck below the, below the the hash marks and is having to do the work himself to get it near the blue line, chip it to a wing, get it back on a give-and-go, and then work his magic at the offensive blue line to gain the zone and pray that the other guys can keep up with him. And if he's playing with Pearson, which he was for, Pearson can skate, but I don't think he's used to playing with Gino at the moment.
0: No, LA doesn't have somebody like that. No. They've had good success but they were never a dynamically offensive team.
1: As good as Kopitar is, he's he's not. He doesn't play the same way as Gino.
0: And I'm not sure anybody else does. <laughs> he's, well, he's He's, unique. Gino. he's uniquely yeah. great. Um, so, you know, for all the Gino, you would think would produce more, but if all of his five-on-five five time is coming with Jack Johnson, I, I think the obvious needs to be stated. He's dragging him down.
1: Hey, he, he needs to... The, the argument's not he's producing enough. That's that's not what the conversation is. The team needs him to produce more at 5-on-5. Five five. The question is, why is he not? Is it a lack of effort on Malcolm's behalf? No. Uh, is it the fact that he ends up in the penalty box a little bit too much? Maybe. Why is he getting as frustrated as he is? Maybe because he can't get the puck out of his defensive zone with control without him doing it himself. So it's... You have to look at why they're not producing as opposed to oh, he's not producing his garbage.
0: I think if you flip the partners, <laughs> Gino would probably do just fine.
1: If you know what? And they,
0: was his top if that if that
1: top line slows down production wise, so say so they do start to have a little bit of a lull, I would not be surprised if they flip the defensive pairings. And try and get Juno going.
0: No, that's, because that's, lo- it's not going to happen. Well... Sid and Latang have always been attached. I I, I get that.
1: But Juno has looked like he's about to break out at times, and, and you just go, yeah, but he's done all the work himself here. He needs some form of help. And I don't, do we actually have an estimated return date for Schultz? We don't yet, do we really?
0: I thought it was always going to be February-ish.
1: Well, if it, yeah, well, that's enough time for them to to get Schultz back up to speedish enough that he's going to be able to be better than the five other defensemen on the on the roster, Well, four other defensemen on the roster. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Because he he's needed. I think you have to trade a defenseman to get a center. Which makes their defensive depth even worse. And you gotta pray that Schultz can come in and, and be that second pairing poor man's Letang.
0: And Letang doesn't die. Don't <laughs> from do playing not, like twenty eight minutes do, a night. Do not do not say that. <laughs> yeah, but like how flimsy is this whole season right now? Oh yeah, it it hangs on a couple of players. It hangs on right. Chris Letang, most of all. Well, yeah, it, yeah. Yeah. No, so.
1: no, it does. It, it hangs on Letang.
0: Um, the other players it does mostly is the same for any team as the goaltending, and that that has been encouraging as of late. Matt Murray, since coming back, has stopped 108 out of 112 shots.
1: How has he looked in the net to you, though, in regards because he looked he struggled to do anything right early in the year, and obviously his numbers showed that. Could have been injury related or, or whatever, but obviously took time off. Sense have got himself right. How has he looked in net to you?
0: Um Well I think I'd be lying. I'm not gonna pretend like, oh, he's so much more fluid and strong and
1: Yeah, that's I my feeling he's... too.
0: I, I'm not gonna go out and I honestly I wasn't like Keying in on him.
1: <laughs> well, we need Nick Mercat on again. Yeah, we need Murcat Dante uh, on. I don't think he looks as smooth as he did when he was, you know, firing all cylinders in the playoffs. You know, he's I... had a couple of lucky bounces that on on goals that were going in on him, and they just happened to hit the post. So, I've still got my fingers crossed that he's tracking in the right direction. But
0: I think um, the biggest thing for me was the. Some of the high danger saves that he had made against, uh, gosh, I can't remember which game it was. Was
1: it Washington?
0: The one that went to overtime, he made a few nice saves that really, you know, the game should have, could have ended easily. Was that the LA one?
1: Oh, I can't remember now.
0: Yeah, 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 I know what you're saying though. But it was an overtime situation, and then he did well. Um, was there even a shootout? Gosh, what's happened?
1: Christmas brain. Um, he, I'll put it to you this way. Having him back and having him trend in the direction he is, is better than what it was before he was out. So, you know, Pittsburgh's got a little bit healthier in places and, um, things are, uh, looking, uh, better in that aspect. The team depth looks a lot better now that Hornquist is back. Simone comes back. It pushes out some of the fourth-line players, and the team's uh, overall speed picks up a little bit.
0: Yes. And Casey DeSmith has been pretty good, too. they got two guys playing well. But I would continue to, to, you know... This is about... Getting Murray right.
1: Correct. That's absolutely right. You've got to... I think it it turns into a a one-option, two-option now. You're not going to split the time, I don't think. I think it's Murray for every game you possibly can, unless it's a back-to-back. You just play him now. Because with the amount of time that's left in the season, he's not going to play 50 games, so he shouldn't shouldn't get fatigued. Um, I reckon that 55... Game limit is it. That's what you want your starters to play as a max. And uh, if you can get them to play less than that, I reckon that's even better.
0: And in 07-08, Fleury got hurt. Yeah. And he and was down.
1: Best, best playoff run?
0: Uh, yeah, that and last year. Yeah, and he normal. was injured. always normal to have a decade in between.
1: Get off my man's case, all right? Just get off his case. But yes, you're right. The the fewer games he's played, the the few years where he's played fewer games have been his better playoff runs. And you look at Holtby last year. He didn't play 60-plus games last year. And he's fundamentally the reason that they they got past the Penguins. The goaltenders were the difference, really, because the skaters on both teams played exceptional hockey.
0: the um the game in question was the LA game. Murray did give yep. up 3 but he uh made a lot of big saves there and then the last two starts he's given up one goal. had the shutout yeah. against Carolina. Carolina, you know, they they get a lot of rubber on net, they just don't have any finishing ability.
1: Do you reckon that's all it is with that team? Do you reckon it's just the lack of finish? Because it almost feels like that team does game the system
0: (laughs) they do a little bit they certainly do they do shoot from a lot of angles but they um they also own a better share of the high danger chances and scoring chances so
1: and that um, is a yeah that's where the skill's not there and they're not they haven't got the finishes i
0: get your point you know if only they had a guy like jeff skinner Maybe. (laughs) Who has 26 fucking goals before Christmas?
1: I do have to laugh. Um, I think it was Stahl's second game back after injury. And he has a minus three. And he played almost all his five or five minutes versus Sid. And you just sit there and go, that's the life of a really good two way player, isn't it?
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I was, you know, wrote a little today on how his. His choice to go to Carolina has been nothing but an epic failure as far as hockey is concerned. I'm not taking into consideration the playing with Eric for a while, um, his living situation. Maybe he loves it down there. I have a bunch of friends that have relocated to the North Carolina area that very much enjoy it, so that wouldn't be surprising to me. But as far as the hockey goes, um, not only has the team not he has not played in a single playoff game since leaving. Uh, his deployment has been miserable for the better, for his better years. Uh, his quality of teammate was dog shit. So even and, if, like the team turns a corner, his best hockey's already behind him. Yeah,
1: and not only was his quality of teammate bad, his quality of competition was like he was doing the brutal work with lesser players than he had in Pittsburgh, and with nobody in front of him to pick up the offensive slack. Like he was never he's. You and I said this. He's, I don't think he was ever a number two scoring center in the in the league, in a depth chart lineup. But he was certainly a, you know, probably the best third line center floating around if you could have two centers in front of him that were any good. But he went in there as the number one, and he was never a number one scorer.
0: Who built that team, man? <laughs> yes. By yes. that, um, um, what's next on our agenda here oh Sid Sid again PK though
1: about time
0: I know he's just go figure a great the greatest even strength player in the league for years can effectively kill a penalty fucking crazy
1: well, the other thing with putting him on the penalty kill is not only is he smart enough to know where to go, what to do, and just treat the penalty kill like a normal penalty killer would. If you're going to try and tell me that the other five players out there on the ice don't worry about where he is on the ice, you're kidding me. He's such a threat on it just by being out there is that it, as soon as the puck gets pushed back to the point and he's coming out at you, you're rushing what your decision is.
0: Yeah. And, you know, if you've watched the Penguins at all, which if you're listening to this, you probably do, um, you know what it looks like on the other end. <laughs> like Pittsburgh gives up a ton. And it's usually yeah. from good, even-strength players who are penalty-killing. And I remember there being discussions um, a few years back. I forget. Maybe maybe it was even Micah Blake-McCurdy. um I want to put words in his mouth that may not have happened, but um, so you know, in that general circle of people, I, I feel comfortable saying that you know, it, it you might almost have a better chance of generating offense with one of these elite players shorthanded than you do five on five, just because of the nature of uh, there's a usually more forwards on the ice, so if you do get them, get a step on them, it's easier to beat them. And a lot of times, these are transitional breakdowns where you have the power play going up the ice and flat-footed and not being able to catch somebody coming back. And when you think about Sid's IQ, his able to anticipate, and his speed, I can only imagine he's going to get some offensive opportunities. And looking at the numbers today, it was actually a little bit sad to look at. He hasn't scored a... Power, or sorry, a shorthanded goal since 2010 11 and doesn't have a shorthanded assist since 2009
1: 10. If you use Pittsburgh's power play as an example, if they always attack Gino when he's pushed back to the blue line, and obviously it's a rush pass back to him. That's when they attack. Could you imagine Sid doing that? Like he's going to get breakaways, and even if he doesn't score, he's usually paired out there with Rust. Rust won't be far behind him. Yeah, to but try and it, pot a he, rebound, he was out with so. Gensel.
0: The other last I, game I, I against Carolina,
1: I, I didn't dream that. That did actually happen.
0: And like, if those guys have time and space, kind of deal. Yeah, and it's not just some scrub that's a PK specialist that blindly just gets it off their stick and ices it. Like mm-hmm. I could see a lot of nifty, creative. Uh, geometric passes to free up guys to skate into or hit the long one where oh, when yeah. they get the puck, just because they're shorthanded doesn't mean they're not looking to make a play. If they have time and space, I think there are quick hit opportunities when you put the better players out there. So it's something to think about when, um, you know, he said, doesn't have to be a regular lead, the forwards and penalty killing minutes, kind of stuff like that. You're down a goal late second, third period, yeah, get him out there.
1: Suppose, Try to steal one. Suppose the thing for me is, if they go ahead with this plan, it'll be something that they're going to look at towards the playoffs and go, how many PK minutes can we give him that his minutes don't blow out to 23, 24 minutes a yeah, night?
0: But a lot of the PK minutes, it's not a lot of skating. You're usually...
1: Stationary stick stationary, out. Stationary,
0: like, not stationary, but you're you're either forcing the other team to be on the perimeter, or you get your quick little burst and you go, and then you change. It doesn't have to be uh,
1: a Geno ninety second shift.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I guess the the eventually, when if they do move forward a little bit more with Sid doing these things, somebody's. Well, what if he breaks his foot? Like, uh, here's a here's a novel thought. Don't don't block shots. Let let no. the goalie do it, and 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 don't allow the other team to get tips on it. Because the goalies are going to make a lot of saves because they're bigger now. They have better form. You don't need to be diving face first into shots to have a successful PK.
1: No, you are you are right though. You need to clear the lane so they can see it, and just get stick on stick. You are right. It does seem to be a slower transition away from that uh, top pKr having to try and block the shot. I think you're right. I think you would be better if you were the top guy to get out of the way if it's a point shot and allow the goalie to see it. That does mean you have to trust the other three penalty killers to box out, clear the lane and get sticks. But I think you're right on the money on that one.
0: Although certain fans pleasure themselves to shot blocks on a PK, so
1: yeah, some of them sit between the benches with no hair on their head. <laughs>
0: uh, Fuck. Sorry,
1: <laughs> dirty. That's low.
0: Um. So that's that. That's an interesting thing to look moving forward. And I guess the other part. You know, if you're going to put Sid on the PK and, and start to make some smarter coaching choices, uh, could we please get Crosby, Malkin, and Kessel on the freaking same line off of TV timeouts and at the end of periods? Why is that so goddamn difficult?
1: Um, I don't have an answer.
0: It happens like 10 fucking minutes a, a year.
1: We give Bosman credit. He used to do the two-headed monster when they had that. He would use it, um, and with success... I, I don't, I don't get the, the reluctance to it, unless it's a matter of they don't trust the rest of the roster to be capable of doing something until they get back into their regular yeah, shifts. But yeah, come but on, like, man,
0: you if you're doing it towards the end, like the last minute of a period, like you can't get creative with yep. a, a mishmash line to free up the other three, and you're gonna you gotta have no go Broussard, Pearson, Rust, or something like that, but you gotta have a shift. But
1: all if it's the last minute, like if you're saying it's 58 seconds or, or it's a minute 10, those five guys that are out there are all going to be able to do the whole minute 10 anyway. You're not doing it two minutes in if it's the end of the second period.
0: No, no. Uh, it, 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 I'm not saying to overextend them like
1: that. No, but a minute 10 not overextending them. That's that's the thing. You're man, not going to have to worry about a, a line change after that.
0: I'm just looking for 50 seconds. Oh, no. 45 to 50 seconds. And, and and rock and roll with it. Get Letang out there, but no, it never ever happens. And I'm probably making maybe too much of a deal about it. But it, it, it's it's so obvious to me. Like, why wouldn't you do that?
1: Oh no, Gonchar used to be on the ice when they used to do it. Can't he
0: word him up? You still got Gensel on whatever other line you want to. Yeah. Uh, create before you, you put the big dogs out there and rust and jeff carter so what's the problem It's <laughs> the problem here <laughs> nice yeah <laughs> uh, put carter on the wing and put malkin on the point fuck it let's overload this thing let's just go for a play <laughs> um so yeah that that's been a pet peeve of mine for a very long time and at the very least Get Sid and Gino together for crying out loud. Maybe it can be Gensel instead of Phil, but I would still use Phil. But that's just me. Yeah,
1: but you're uh, you're an aggressive coach.
0: Is it is that ag- is playing your best players together aggressive? It, it is
1: in this league because coaches play not to lose. They play to minimize errors. They don't play to win. And this this is a team that should play to win offensively like I get it when you were LA in regards to the type of of roster they had and when Tortorella coached New York you 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 play not to lose because you know your goalie can bail you guys out and the type of roster they had they didn't have that offensive outburst style of team so you play for those 2-1 games because you'll you'll throw the coin flip on Lundquist more often than not and win But Mm -hmm. this is a team that is not built that way at all. And he's still trying to coach to minimize errors. That's a league that's a league wide problem. Like Hitchcock is is coaching the Oilers to minimize errors. mm
0: -hmm.
1: And they've got they've got the, the best offensive talent in the league. Like Stupid.
0: Um, what else is on our list here? Am I missing anything?
1: Well, we've got the Carlson suspension.
0: Um, as I told you before, I I still haven't seen the hit, but I imagine if Carlson's getting suspended with his track record of not really being that guy, he must have done something stupid. Well, it was. Like, it was
1: not quite a... It was close to a blind... Well, it was a blindside hit because where the player that collected the puck, he had no idea that Carlson would have been coming across. I mean, you can make the anticipation that I'm sort of, I'm sort of in the area where Scott Stevens used to destroy guys. um, But the league's not like that anymore. And as much as you read through the comments and stuff, that he got the shoulder first, and he did get the shoulder first, the major part of the contact was the head. Um, I... I would have wanted to see it get reviewed. I'm okay with the two games in regards to the way they currently do their system. Um, but the little Hockey Hurts system would have given him nine games. But th- my system's obviously much harsher than what the league dolls out. So it's probably about right, considering the framework they're working within at the moment.
0: So, um, I guess the only other headshot of the week would be Alexiak getting one punch by Tom Wilson.
1: Uh, the whole background to this is just fucking retarded.
0: Yeah, it's it's dumb, mostly, mostly on Pittsburgh side. If we're being honest, correct, absolutely. This whole and I love reading these articles. An Eastern Conference GM said they need Wilson insurance, and it's like, what does that even mean? He's you, you really think he's not gonna? Do stupid shit. He should have been suspended after the big suspension already.
1: Yeah, yeah, and they just sat on their hands because it's like the officials. I can't call that. I can't call that penalty because I've already called two. Like the the way the it works is that they.
0: Well the league they didn't have a choice. They they would have had to have bagged him for another twenty five games.
1: And that's why they don't want to. The next one has to be egregious. It doesn't though.
0: The next one can be five or it should be what it is.
1: Correct. No, but you know that's not how it's gonna work. The next one he's going to get away with a lot of little snipey stuff because they know the next one they ping him for has to is going to be a lot of games. It just has to be the way they do their multiplier. Like he's at that point now where the next one is going to cost him twenty games, again. And On the low end. Well, yeah. It's so I, I have a feeling that the caps know it. He knows it. So he knows he can be borderline still. It's it's so it's such a bizarre little dichotomy in this environment because you would think that that would force him to totally clean up his game. But why does he have to? Because he knows he has to completely destroy someone before they'll throw the book at him now. Because they're not going to—they're not going to suspend him for a, a shoulder clip on someone's chin, I don't think. Um, and I, like we've totally got sidetracked by the fact that this was pretty much Rutherford's fault for yeah, he ran his was... mouth in
0: the spring, and now Alexiak yeah. feels like he has to, you know, step up to the plate for his boss and. I don't agree with the comments I saw about Wilson uh, sucker-punching him or blindsiding him. Oh, God. Uh, no. Alexiak's gloves were well off. He knew who was coming. Yeah. I mean, it was stupid. He just, that... he just got his ass kicked on that yeah. fight. It was and... stupid that
1: Wilson just skated straight across for him, like the idiocy of just that whole thing. But he just got KO'd. Clean, clean fight. Dang. Done.
0: Like the fighting it looks more and more stupid in 2018, in my opinion. Yep. But as far as within the uh, stupid code of the game, like that's that's a clean lost fight. I don't know how else you can look at it any other way, other than maybe you know not fighting him and getting KO'd and leaving the Penguins with four defensemen that night because yeah. Jack Johnson doesn't count as one on <laughs> any given night. So <laughs> <laughs> you know you're down to four. and you're playing against washington that was a really good win for the penguins but that's all it was chris letang played like 33 minutes or some crazy shit like that because of that yeah like you are endangering the asset we spoke about earlier today of minutes he doesn't need to be playing and those are tough minutes against washington because those are physical games
1: yeah, they're, they're great to watch. Like, the, the, the style of hockey, both teams uh, skate hard. Um, the forecheck on both teams is is fantastic. They do forecheck very differently. Washington is hard on the defense, like physically tough. They try to get you to turn it over with their physicality, whereas Pittsburgh's more with their sticks and their speed. Um, and when you've got someone like Ovi, you can just freight train you and force you to turn the puck over. And and Latang's the one that cops all of that. He's out there against DoBe almost all the time.
0: Yeah. So I didn't like anything about that situation. I didn't like uh, the player thinking he needed to appease the general manager and and you know.
1: I don't think he was going to appease. I don't think he did it to appease the general manager. No, I think. No,
0: but like.
1: What are you going to Tom do? Wilson, the
0: fight? Tom Wilson went over there because of that comment. Correct. To Alexiak because. Yeah. Straight at him. That was the comment that was made.
1: So what do you do? This is the thing. For me, if you're Alexiak there, you do the whole fake the glove drop and then you get Wilson off the ice, but you can't.
0: I I put my stick up. Oh, (laughs) break some teeth. No, horizontal to the ice and you want to come flying into my stick, so be it. It's like the Simpsons when Lisa and Bart are pissed (laughs) off at each other and Lisa's like marching and... If I'm just walking, if you run into me, that's your
1: fault. <laughs>
0: but, yeah. But you know what I mean? You don't yeah. have to fight there. You can, I'm not saying cross-check him in the face, but oh, there I was. are it's ways was. to keep your distance without him being able to get the jump on you. And when you're six, seven, or whatever Alexiak is, and you got your stick out it, in cross-checking position but not engaging, Um it would be very tough for somebody to get to you. And so, by the time that happened, there would be no fight.
1: So my question here is, Alexia goes and does what you say. What would Pierre Maguire, who no, had, care. had it... No, no, but he's on the national broadcast, right? This is the thing. Would he get there and say, that's crap because he didn't take him on after what his general manager said? Or was it that smart because he didn't take a five-minute penalty? He actually got... Uh, a two-minute penalty on Wilson for, for roughing. Who is one of their better penalty killers? So I looked at it from purely from the point of how can Pittsburgh come out of what Wilson was quite clearly attempting to do in a better spot than being down a defenseman for Pittsburgh and it's like the only way you can do it is to either do what you said or do the whole fake the glove drop and get Get a two-minute you instant. Ad,
0: your glove drop, you're getting KO'd anyways. You know what I'm saying though, right?
1: Like, you you are right. Like, if you look in the context of, of hockey culture, but unlike Effort, you know Wilson's Tom Wilson
0: to get... is not going to wait for you to drop your gloves if he's showing that aggressiveness. That is your time to either yeah. do what I mentioned or drop them yourself. In a you are right. You yeah, you to... are right.
1: You don't have that. Correct. You're right. You're going to have to stick it. You are right. Yeah. But I just, it drives me nuts. It's like, it's he's, stupid
0: that it's even a thing that it's. He's still concussed part of the now.
1: Sport. He's concussed now because he felt compelled to do this because his general manager kind of set him up.
0: And and for his birthday, if I read. Oh, you know, I didn't remember. I didn't see that. It wasn't on his birthday, but like the Penguins are like, here. I hope your gift is feeling better, and it's like, Rrr.
1: yeah, right.
0: So, um. You know, the fight itself was a hockey fight, uh, but I think we both are kind of over those. That doesn't have – it. it's not why I watch anymore. I, I think it's – Yeah, um,
1: if you're somebody that, that – That game um, was
0: great. It didn't need that. That game was going to be great regardless.
1: Yeah, if you're, if you're a Penguins fan that advocates for fighting and then says, oh, he sucker-punched him, then you're not watching the same sport that we are because that was as clean a fight as you could have. Wilson just got him, just clocked him with a clean hit. There was no suckering. Alexiak had his gloves down. You're right. He was ready to go. He knew it was coming. So fair fight. Do you and I think the fight should actually occur? No. But if you're an advocate for fighting, you can't argue with how the result just because your guy got concussed.
0: So eh, nothing, nothing says Merry Christmas to winding down a podcast talking about brain injuries. Yeah. Woo-hoo! So I think I think that will be it, though. Yes.
1: Yes, I think so. There's there's not really anything else to to discuss. I think we should uh, should let you go and in, enjoy your time off, and I'll go and enjoy my day off work on that in between Monday before we actually hit Christmas.
0: Nice. Um, Thank you very much, uh, everyone for continuing to listen. I know our schedule can be goofy at times, but, uh, another year in the book, assuming we don't get another one in, maybe we will, but, um, you know, for the most part, twenty eighteen's down and we, uh, very much appreciate, um, everybody who continues to listen. So, uh, thank you from, from the both of us and, um, we'll, uh. We'll keep doing it into the 2019. I hope so. So, (laughs) uh, happy holidays, and uh, we'll see you next time.
1: See you, guys.